0: Hello, and welcome to the Fuel Run Recover podcast, helping everyday runners fuel better, run smarter, and recover faster so you can reach your full performance potential. I'm your host, Stephanie Natchek, dietitian, fitness coach, and a fellow runner too. As the owner of Stephanie Natchek Performance Nutrition, I've spent the last 10 years helping runners learn to fuel their bodies, level up their running performance, and establish healthier relationships with food and exercise. If you're ready to reconnect with your love of running, then let's get started on today's episode. All right, so before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to invite you to check out a few great free resources that I created just for runners. To get them, all you have to do is click on the link in the show notes or visit www.stephanienachuk.com. If you visit my website, there's a little pop up box that comes up and it'll prompt you to enter your email address and these guides will be sent right to your inbox. The first guide is my fueling guide for runners. So in this resource, you'll find my top fueling tips for runners, as well as some specific meal ideas for both your pre and post run fuel. If you've been struggling to understand what to eat, when to support your running and just figuring out like what those meal ideas, like what those meals look like, what kind of foods you should be including before versus after you run, what the difference is between pre and post run fueling then this guide is exactly what you need to get you started on the right path. The other guide that I created is my strength training guide for runners. So this guide includes both a PDF resource, has some tips, guidelines, and links to my YouTube series where I actually walk you through all of the exercises in the program. This is a great beginner strength training guide for runners who want an effective but efficient full body workout that helps support the key muscles and movements you need to run stronger and injury free. So once again, both of these guides are available together. I have them put together as a little bundle for you. You can just click on the link in the show notes or go over to www.stephanie.com enter your email address, just the one time. And both of these free guides will get sent to your inbox right away. I hope you enjoy these resources and find them helpful in supporting you and your running. And now let's get into today's episode. In today's episode, we are going to talk about how to get started as a new runner. Today, I want to share with you some of my best in a sustainable way with your running to really become someone who enjoys running, someone who gets great results from your training and can have a really long and enjoyable career as a runner. So I want to start off our conversation today by uh, by setting the scene a little bit for you. And uh, I see this a lot in some of the social media groups that I'm on. Some of the questions that get posed in a lot of the online groups and communities that we see, where you know somebody will will come into one of these groups or or maybe share on a Facebook post and say, "Hey, you know, I'm brand new to running. I just I'm just getting started." I signed up for this race, whatever distance it might be, you know, anything from my first 5k or, or maybe I've signed up for my first marathon. It's however many weeks away. And I have been doing some running. I'm starting to see some injuries, um, you know, my knees hurt or, or my calves hurt, my feet hurt, or I'm, I'm getting blisters, I'm getting these issues. I've taken a few days or weeks off. Will I be able to run this race? And they're really looking to other members in this running community to kind of help them and guide them with what are the next steps to come back and, and, you know, come back from this injury, fix this injury to allow them to run the race. And it can cause a lot of stress and anxiety when you've signed up for an event and it's coming up relatively fast and you're, you're going about your training, you're doing all the things that you think you should be doing. And you start to run into problems. And unfortunately, what can occur is sort of this uh, cyclical problem with newer runners who get into the sport. They maybe start off with um, not doing some things the correct way. They start off not necessarily on the right foot with their approach to training or maybe how they're eating. And they get stuck in this consistent trap of always winding up injured. As they're getting ready for a race. So they're really trying to run and, and really trying to enjoy running, but they're stuck because they can't seem to get past a certain point or past a certain threshold without injuries coming up or, or just getting burnt out or overtrained. Or the alternative is that newer runners maybe are starting off. Uh, getting into running because they're looking at this from like a weight loss perspective. They're trying to, you know, eat healthier, maybe drop some calories, drop some carbs. Maybe we're doing some intermittent fasting all with that approach of wanting to lose weight. We find ourselves to be very low in energy or a lot of runners will complain that they are super, super hungry and they end up giving up running. They end up uh, quitting running to maybe do other activities or or maybe less activity overall because they just find that when they try to pair that up with with dieting or with what we sometimes would just call very healthy, clean eating or something of that nature, what we find is that, um, you know, it's it's not very easy for us to maintain and we are so overcome by this excess hunger and, and maybe then we're overeating and we get stuck. So I've gone into a lot more detail about Mistakes that we see around this eat less, move more mindset and and body composition in episode one and episode two of this podcast. So if you haven't checked those out yet and you want to hear more about why eating less and moving more does not work very well for runners and why I do not recommend an eat less and move more mindset for runners, then you can definitely check out those for a deeper dive on those topics. As well, of course, looking at the difference between weight and and weight loss and and body composition and all of those things I've, I've outlined a little bit more in episode two. But today I want to talk about how can a new runner, you know, just getting into the sport, set themselves up for success? What are some of the things that we can do to ensure that we are in the sport of running for good? We, we can make it sustainable and healthy for us. That doesn't cause us to wind up, you know, injured and, and damaged and broken and unable to continue to run. So how do we avoid being this runner that I just talked about who, you know, is signing up for a race and with an injury, they're not able to reach their goal and they're concerned about even making it to race day or the runner who is trying to eat less and move more. They again are getting stuck either not seeing results or they're kind of moving backwards because they're finding that the running that they're doing is making them so hungry. They can't stick to their eating plan. Or the runner who, you know, maybe isn't setting realistic goals and is signing up for a race that is too big, too much mileage, or maybe a time goal that is too lofty, a little bit beyond what their current fitness level is, and is just maybe disappointed or or frustrated when race day rolls around and they're not able to perform uh, the way that they thought they could. So how do we not be these runners? The first thing we want to do with our training is we want to ensure that we are not doing too much of our running too fast so specifically we want to be spending a lot more time running in that easy zone if we're using the heart rate zone model to talk about that that's going to be wanting to stay within that zone too for a lot of new runners this is going to look like a walk run that is okay there is absolutely nothing wrong with incorporating walk breaks into your running Even if you spend time walking, that does not make you not a runner. You are still a runner, even if you take walk breaks. Coming out too fast and trying to do too much of our mileage too fast is a really great way to get injured, but also a really great way to stay frustrated and stuck with our inability to build our volume and our inability to build our mileage as runners. So we can maybe run for a mile, Maybe, maybe 5K we can do at this faster pace, but anytime we try to break beyond that and anytime we try to build up more volume or more distance with our running, we just can't, we just sort of hit that wall. So we can be really fast at shorter distances and, and we can feel good about our speed at shorter distances, but we have trouble sort of breaking through into those next levels of, of volume or those next distance challenges because we haven't spent the time building up the aerobic base which just simply comes from easy running. So that's number one is that, you know, we're putting the time into the training, but we're maybe not approaching our training in the correct way to build up our fitness and and build up our capacity as a runner. We also just need to be very, very mindful about our overall volume. And this can be really difficult for newer runners who, of course, are excited or maybe you have a race looming in a couple of weeks and you realize that, you know, the race that you signed up for is coming up really quickly. You're realizing how far you have to run. I mean, for, for a lot of runners who are signing up for their first events, when you start to look at how long or how far a 10K or, or a half marathon or, or absolutely a full marathon really is, We start to get a little bit panicked. And so we think, hey, well, I I need to, you know, cram as much mileage as I possibly can into these next couple of weeks to get ready. And just simply doing too much too soon, more than our bodies can handle or are capable of handling, is a huge risk factor for getting injured. And the more often we get injured... The more time we have to spend away from running, which means that we just can't be consistent with our training and over months and years, we're not going to get anywhere. So even though we're excited or maybe excited in a bad way, feeling a little bit panicked about the race that's coming up, we still do need to be very careful about not doing too much too soon. For a lot of us, that's also going to mean planning ahead and giving ourselves enough time to get ready for signing up for our first race you also don't have to race or enter events in order to be a runner. A lot of people who are listening to this podcast probably do enjoy signing up for, you know, some running events, a couple races a year, hopefully not too many races a year because that's a whole other conversation that we can get into with overtraining and and cycling and everything like that. Um, But if you're someone who doesn't really enjoy the race experience and you like to run just for yourself and, and signing up for events doesn't appeal to you, that's okay too. Again, you don't need to race or enter events to be a runner, but we want to give ourselves enough time to make sure that we give ourselves that proper lead up and that proper buildup to hitting our goals and to making sure our bodies are ready for the demands that we're putting on ourselves to enter this race. So if you're running, you know, if you're starting from not running at all, um, you're starting from a place of not a lot of fitness. So Maybe you're not just new to running, but exercise as well is something that you haven't done much much of in the past couple of years, then, you know, it may take you several months to build up to being able to complete a 5K. It may take you several more months to start being able to complete a 5K faster, right? There's a difference in our training, building up to just being able to complete a race distance and, you know, having a specific time goal that we're trying to accomplish, If we're building up to bigger distances, if we're entering our first 10K half marathon, full marathon, anything like that, and of course all the distances in between, there are a lot of 10-mile races, 20-mile races, um, things like that out there, then we want to ensure that we are giving ourselves lots of build-up time, and it may take significantly longer than we expect to be able to reach these goals and you know just because someone else that you know maybe went from being a non-runner to someone who ran a marathon within the same calendar year does not mean that that is uh, safe for you or a good idea for you or something that we should all be striving for going from a non-runner to completing something like a marathon distance um, you know it may take you several years to build up the strength the stamina the endurance to be able to accomplish something like that so a condensed timeline and giving yourself uh, inadequate weeks to get prepared for an event is also something that we really want to avoid. And instead, we want to just start with running consistently and build ourselves up uh, with lots of leeway to get ready for for these races. The other thing we want to do as a new runner is uh, maybe something that will be a surprise to you, but we don't want to only run. And again, if we're excited, or we have just dis- we have we've discovered running for the first time and it's all we want to do and we're just, you know, we're we're so in love with this sport, that's fantastic. But we have to mix that up and, and kind of integrate that with other activities that also go a long way to supporting our running and supporting our fitness. So specifically, we want to ensure that whatever we're doing is including strength training. So we want to make sure that we're not just maybe running five, six or you know, maybe even seven days a week, we definitely don't want to be uh, doing too much too quickly. And we want to alternate some of those running days with, of course, rest days, it's very important, but also our strength training days, and maybe one or two cross training days, where we're doing other activities that still support building our fitness, building our cardiovascular endurance, but aren't going to be uh, giving us the same uh, force and and sort of the same impact that running will. Now, it is a myth that running is bad for your knees or bad for your joints or, you know, damaging to any of these body tissues. I mean, that that is just not the case. However, when we are doing too much too quickly, or we are pushing our bodies beyond their current adaptations, their current strength, their current fitness level, that's when we can start to see some of these injuries in those specific places. Something I often will say to my clients and you may have heard me say it either on on social media or I don't I don't know if I've specifically shared this tidbit on on this podcast yet, but we have to train for the level that we're at, not the level that we want to be at. So, it's important to remember as a new runner who's just maybe getting into this sport, that we don't want to look down the road at where we want to be and train at the level and at the the fitness level and the capacity that we want to get to, right? It's great to have goals and great to have an endpoint to where you want to be as a runner, but we don't train like that person will train six months from now. We have to start where we are today, train for the runner that we are today, and over time we build up to being the runner that we want to be. And this is important too, if you have previously done more, and for some reason you've needed to take some time off, some time away from running. And this podcast specifically is all about, you know, getting started as a new runner. And I'm sharing some tips here for new runners, but these same rules or, or these same pieces of advice would also very much apply to a runner who has just been out of the game for a little while. So the runner who hasn't been as consistent, maybe you've taken time off uh, for other endeavors, injuries, children. I mean, whatever that looks like, you've just kind of fallen away from running and you're looking to get back into it and rebuild your fitness. Unfortunately, we aren't able to do that by just jumping in and diving into the training that we were doing when we were last at our peak fitness level, uh, we need to start where we're at right now. Otherwise we can again, wind up in that cycle of just being constantly injured and never being able to be consistent with things. So on the training side, you know, the big takeaways here, if you are a new runner is you want to find a training program or you want to work with a coach who is able to train someone who is new to the sport of running and is, um, you know, giving you a a guidance or a training program that is meant for beginners. And even if you're fit, or maybe you've done a lot of other activities, I would still recommend kind of starting here, you may progress faster through a training program, if you already have a good kind of baseline of fitness than someone who is not as experienced, you know, sort of overall with fitness and strength. But running is different and running uses different muscles and the repetitive motion of running and the impact forces of running really stresses our bodies in a different way than other sports or activities might. So sometimes it requires us to just start from the beginning and, you know, maybe humble ourselves a little bit sometimes and, you know, treat ourselves as a new runner, even if we are not necessarily a new athlete. So we want to find and be following a training program that is meant for newer runners, that is going to slowly build up not only our days of running, you know, how often we're running each week, also our mileage, and then we want to be slowly integrating that intensity into our running. So we don't want to add in all of these things, you know, a whole bunch of days of running plus a whole bunch of intensity plus a whole bunch of volume all at once. We want to be just slowly integrating and slowly incorporating these different aspects of uh, getting more fit and and building up that that running experience. So if you are also someone who has previously been, um, you know, a a consistent runner, maybe you've done lots of races, but again, you're finding yourself maybe back at square one, you know, building up your fitness again, again, you're going to find a training program that sort of starts you off at a little bit of a lower level than maybe you're used to. But you may progress faster, you know, you may build up that, that fitness faster than you did the first time around, but it's still important to start at the beginning so that you're not getting yourself injured by doing too much too soon. The other big thing on the training side is that we want to ensure that we're incorporating strength training as part of our program from day one. This is so important for injury prevention, resilience, and just helping us improve our running form, our running mechanics, ensuring that the right body parts, <laughs> the right muscles, the right joints, um, the right connective tissues are doing the right jobs in helping to move us forward. Because again, if certain things are not strong, you know, if we're not able to take the load and the force of running in certain areas and other things are having to compensate, we can really set ourselves up for, for a lot of, of injuries and pain and suffering. So if strength training isn't scheduled into your program from day one, like if strength training isn't part of the program that you're following from day one, make sure that you're able to adjust it to make room for it. You can include it on a shorter run day or with um, like a workout day. So maybe uh, a speed workout day that it just isn't as long as as some of your longer mileage days. Or if you're only running three or four days per week, then add the strength training on to a non-running day. So, there are a couple of different ways that you can integrate it depending on your overall schedule, availability, how much time you have each day to train. Um, we want to keep our hard days hard and then our easier days easy. So, we don't want to add the strength training to our only rest day per week. Or if maybe we have five days a week of running and we have two rest days, then we don't want the strength training to be stuck into those two rest days. So then we're training seven days a week. We want to keep the rest days as our rest days. And instead we would add the strength training to a different day. And I I really do believe that a lot of runners would benefit from running one fewer day per week, one less running day per week and instead adding in an extra strength training workout to their program. So if you are currently looking at your schedule and it's got you running like five or maybe six days a week, dropping a running day for a strength training day, especially during a base building phase when you're not like actively getting ready for a race and, and being able to fit in those two strength training workouts, I think would benefit a lot of runners tremendously. So on the training side, you know, we've we've gone over a couple of big primary mistakes that we see runners making, uh, new runners or or runners who are maybe getting back into the sport, some things that we want to avoid, and then some things that we want to do instead on the nutrition side. You know, there's a lot of, of similarities where runners maybe get really excited. They want to see quick results. They want to see some weight loss as part of their running. You know, maybe someone else they know had really good results with running and, and losing weight really easily. And so we want to try it for ourselves. And maybe part of that is signing up for a race to motivate us, um, to stick with it. You know, having a plan to follow, having something on the calendar can be really motivating and really helpful. But where we go wrong with things is when we start getting into the eat less and move more mindset, especially while we are increasing our running volume. So if you are increasing the amount of running you're doing, you're building up your volume, you're maybe getting ready for a race or, or just kind of building up to wanting to achieve a new fitness thresholds or, or new mileage thresholds. The last thing we want to do here is uh, a lot of fasted running, a lot of fasted training, cutting all of the carbs out of our diet, or just following a really low calorie eating plan, because these are the things that can really push us over the edge into something called low energy availability. And low energy availability is basically what happens when we don't have enough calories being eaten to support both the demands of our training, you know, what we, what we're trying to burn and, and the demands of our training and our recovery, as well as our body's basic physiological functions. So all of the background stuff that has to happen to keep us alive, our brain functioning, our heart beating, our digestive system working—you know, our kidneys and our liver—and and all of the things that have to go on in the background to keep us keep our systems running and, and keep our bodies functioning. When we tack on a lot of exercise volume to that and the demands that we need for recovery, we just don't have enough energy to go around. There's just not enough calories to go around, so we start to see a lot of uh, symptoms that can be very detrimental to our overall health. Everything from trouble sleeping. We might have a huge appetite or maybe no appetite at all. So that one can go either way. We can start to see digestive issues, mood issues, hair loss. Um, We can see changes in our menstrual cycle. For runners who have, you know, generally a normal menstrual cycle, we can see changes in that. And, you know, these are all things that definitely are not conducive to great quality running. Because our workout quality, our strength, our performance can really suffer. But then also, you know, running and exercise as a whole is supposed to be something that is good for us and, and helps, helps to keep us healthy and keep us strong and, and keep us feeling good. And this is where it can start to not, not be that way and, and become really problematic. So if our focus is, is too much on the weight loss side of things, trying to cut calories or fears around weight gain if we eat more, and, and all of those factors, then we're really at risk for low energy availability and ultimately um, a lack of sustainability and longevity in the sport of running. The other nutrition, I guess this wouldn't be specifically for new runners, but maybe as, as runners as a whole. But you know, since we're talking about it here, I think it's good for anyone who is kind of getting started on this journey is that there is a real focus, sort of a, a, a hyper focus or, or um, a preoccupation with calories and with macronutrients. So a lot of people are very aware, spending a lot of time thinking about or maybe very concerned about the calories they're eating, the calories they're burning from running, uh, tracking all of this, these things, tracking their macros, trying to figure out, you know, the best macronutrient um, distribution. You know, how many calories should I be getting from carbs versus protein versus fat? We have lots of tools and, and apps and programs that um, are kind of used for this to, to do these assessments of figuring out all the ins and outs. And we are very focused and preoccupied on the calories and the macros we completely forget about all of our micronutrients. And, you know, I'm here to tell you as a dietitian who really focuses on on performance and and helping people be healthy not just as runners but in all areas of our lives that micronutrients are forgotten about a lot of the time but they're so important. And that's everything from getting enough calcium, vitamin C, magnesium, vitamin D, I mean, you know, the list is long of these essential nutrients that we need to get from food every day in order to, again, keep our body functioning optimally. Some of these nutrients are really important for helping us to create energy so that we can run, we can perform things like vitamin B12, iron, you know, those are really important for allowing us to to perform our best and, and kind of in the moment that we're running to be able to do these things. Then we look at our recovery. We can look at other nutrients like vitamin C, vitamin D that are so important for helping us to recover after exercise. Then we have our electrolytes, you know, that's our potassium, our calcium, our magnesium, our sodium that we need in order to keep all of the electrical signals, um, you know, in our body functioning properly. And as runners, because we see a lot of electrolyte loss from sweat, especially if we're exercising in hot human environments, then that's something else that we need to be paying a lot of attention to in our diet is, are we meeting our electrolyte requirements too? So, you know, I I can go into more detail, maybe in a future episode, we can, we can talk and break down these micronutrients a little bit more, but, you know, we sometimes can become so, uh, focused, on calories and on macronutrients that we're forgetting about our overall diet quality. And so that's something that I want you to kind of think about is where am I getting all of this other stuff in food that I need? And and am I maybe missing the bigger picture of the value of good nutrition? So when we are under fueling and we're not eating enough calories as a whole to support the training that we need, We also are putting ourselves at risk of a lot of nutrient deficiencies and issues with not getting enough of our vitamins and minerals because we're just not eating enough total food to meet our needs. So what we want to make sure we're doing is we want to make sure that we're eating enough to fuel our training. And this is true even if you started your running journey to lose weight. If you took up running, you got into running because you wanted to use it as a weight loss tool. We still need to meet our energy needs and we still need to meet all of our nutrient needs and finding the balance for yourself that helps you to improve body composition, helps you to build muscle and build strength while maybe losing some body fat along the way. Um, is going to be looking, you know, include a program that includes both, you know, meeting your overall needs, meeting your overall nutrition goals, but then also looking at the timing and when you eat these meals. That's another key that is really important. So again, we want to eat enough to fuel our training as a whole, get in enough of these micronutrients that we need to keep us healthy and optimize our recovery and our performance. And then also look at when we eat and our meal timing to ensure that everything is falling into place. So we aren't cutting out entire food groups unless we have a medical reason that we need to do so. We are not doing a lot of fasted training. We are making sure that we fuel well before and after our workouts so that we can improve our workout quality as well as optimize our recovery from our workouts. And we wanna make sure that we are not getting stuck in that eat less, move more mindset. So a couple of other tips, a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about for uh, new runners or runners who are maybe getting back into the sport and and picking it up again after some time away is we want to make sure that we're building that rest and recovery time into our training plan. So as I mentioned before, we might be really excited. Uh, We might be trying to make up for lost time. Or we might have a race on the calendar that's coming up really quickly. We want to get in shape fast. And I totally understand, um, you know, the reason why we're coming from on that. But we want to build that rest and recovery into our training plan so that we don't wind up burnt out, injured, and unable to maybe even make it to the start line on race day. And the last thing we want to make sure that we do is invest in gear wisely and when we need it. So there is an endless amount of running supplies, gear, stuff that you can buy. Some of it is really valuable and and really good and really important to invest in. And other stuff, not so much. I mean, there are other things that are maybe nice to have versus need to have. And if we're just getting into running and, you know, I, I hope that you stick with it and I hope that you love it. And I hope that you're someone who will be be a lifelong runner as you go. But we don't want to spend a whole lot of money up front on something uh, that we end up ultimately not utilizing to do their best of our ability. So the first thing that I would recommend uh, really investing wisely in would be shoes. Footwear and picking the right running shoes for you. That is something that I think is so, so key and something you definitely want to invest in um, quality right off the bat. So even if you're not what you might call a serious runner, even if you're someone who isn't maybe running that much or, you know, you know, definitely very, very recreational with your running, it is still worth it to make sure that you're investing in a good pair of shoes that work for you and work for your feet. This does not mean you have to go out and buy the hundreds and hundreds of dollars, um, you know, the the fanciest shoes, the (laughs) carbon-plated shoes or anything like that that's out there. This is not... That you need to buy the most expensive shoes you can find, but you do just want to invest in a quality pair of running shoes. So I would recommend visiting like an athletic store, um, a running store that sells running shoes that has knowledgeable staff would also be a great option um, if they have people there who can help you find the best fit and and find the shoes that work best for you. Everything will just be a a lot more streamlined and a lot easier if you have a good pair of shoes. The other thing that I think is worthwhile to invest in uh, fairly soon would be comfortable, well-fitting, running clothing that is made of performance fabrics. So specifically fabrics that help to wick sweat um, away from your body, helps to keep you dry, and of course fits you well and is comfortable to wear it when you run. Nothing is more demotivating than having to put on a uh, you know, whether it's a pair of of running shorts or a, a shirt or a sports bra or something that just doesn't fit well and just doesn't feel comfortable. And so you want to be excited and and you know, happy to put on your running clothes, not feeling like you're wearing things that are falling down, riding up, not staying put, chafing, you know, rubbing. So that is something that I would definitely, definitely spend some money on in the beginning. But again, doesn't need to be the the top of the line clothing. It doesn't need to be stuff that is the most expensive running gear that you can you can possibly find, you know, because of the popularity of athletic clothing these days. I mean, so many brands um, and so many different retailers have great options that that can fit almost every budget, but it is definitely worthwhile to have the shoes, um, socks, good quality uh, athletic socks, and then um, at least, you know, a little bit of gear, even if you just have kind of one one running outfit that, that you can just keep clean in between, um, that definitely can make a big difference in your enjoyment of, of getting out the door. And then if you're running in specific elements, so here where I live in Manitoba, Canada, it gets very, very cold outside in the winter. And so there is also a case to be made for having specific gear for elements that you might be running in. So, if you're going to be running outdoors in all seasons, then it is uh, definitely recommended to have clothing that will keep you comfortable, but also more importantly, keep you safe. You know, the realities of running outdoors in the winter, the realities of, you know, running in climates that can be dangerous, you know, we have risk of, of frostbite, of hypothermia, things like that. Also, if you're running somewhere that it's rainy a lot of the time, you're going to be running outside a lot in the rain just basic gear, like having uh, waterproof clothing, maybe waterproof shoes, especially to keep your feet a bit more dry hats. Um, stuff like that is also definitely worthwhile to invest in Again, not just for comfort, but also for safety. Then once we start to get into, you know, you can get your, your watches and, and your, your GPS gear. You can get, um, headphones that are Bluetooth enabled and, um, cord free. And, you know, you can start to get really fancy with water bottles and, and hydration packs and, and all kinds of things like that. Those are definitely nice to have. And I think anyone who is running regularly probably will naturally be drawn to, to picking out some of that, that type of gear running belts to hold, hold phones and keys and anything else that we need, um, can be valuable, but I wouldn't go and and spend a whole lot of money right away on the bells and whistles. I would definitely stick with those couple of things just to get you started, to get you consistent, and you can always add to your collection from there. Then the final thing that I want to say here is that you just got to stick with it. And it takes a long time to build fitness. And it feels like it takes a really long time to improve as a runner, especially because if you're in a lot of running social media spaces, we see the before and after and some accounts are better than others at talking about the length of time that we've gone, you know, how long somebody's worked to, to reach new milestones or new running goals. Um, I can think of a few accounts that really do a great job of highlighting how many years some of, of runners or some of their clients have worked to meet the goals and, and to improve their race times, and their PRs. And it, it's literally years and so we, we shouldn't get into running. We're, we're never going to get into running for anything like instant gratification. It's not a sport that pays off um, very quickly in terms of fitness or, or results. You know, when we start running, we can maybe build up a little bit of fitness quickly in the beginning because any new thing that we try with our training, with our exercise is, is going to give us a, a little bit of payoff in the beginning. But then, then we'll hit a plateau or, or then we're going to hit, challenging part where the real work begins. And so all of the tips that I've shared today, everything that I've given you today in terms of, you know, mistakes to avoid and and recommendations and and advice and and everything like that is really to help you be consistent and and just stick with it, because this is definitely something that we have to get into in the long term and, and really be thinking about the long game. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Even if you are not a new runner, if you're someone who is, you know, got a little bit of experience, but maybe you feel frustrated that you haven't gotten great results with what you've been trying so far, and you think that you're probably doing some things that are maybe a little bit incorrect, or you previously were running a lot, you've taken some time off, and now you're getting back into it. I hope that the the tips and advice that I shared with you today uh, have been helpful. I have a couple of free resources available that you can download and use right away if you need some help with your nutrition or with your training as a runner. The first is my fueling guide for runners. There you'll find meal ideas, recipes, and tips in terms of how you can eat to fuel your training before, during, and after those workouts. And I also have my free strength training guide for runners. This is, you know, my top 10 exercises that I think all runners can benefit from incorporating into their program. So if you're new to running and maybe new to strength training as a runner, and you need just an efficient, effective program that you don't have to spend a lot of time on, then the strength training guide has exactly what you need, as well as, of course, some of my extra tips and and suggestions for putting it all together. So you can find the links to both of these guides. Uh, in the show notes here, you can uh, get both of those and they can start helping you right away on the journey to better, smarter running. And of course, if you are looking for a nutrition coach or a running coach, then you can learn more about my programs and how you can work with me at the link in my profile as well, or at my website, you can visit www.stephanie.com. That's all for today. We'll see you next time. The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used or relied upon for the diagnosis or treatment of any health condition. This information does not create a client practitioner relationship and should not be used as a substitute for professional medical advice.